Well, hey everyone, welcome to uh, Ludicrous Feed Live, uh, lunchtime special. Who would have thought? Here we are on daytime television. Welcome indeed. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, have we got a special episode for you today? I've really been looking forward to this one, so I hope you enjoy it as much as we do. Hello to everyone on the chat. I can see already uh, 30 people uh, waiting to talk to us. So yeah, make sure you tell us where you're watching from. Uh, what are you doing this time of day? It's all mid midday. I mean, we rarely talk like this. So yeah, tell us where you're, where you're watching from, where you're chatting from, what are you doing? Um, and yeah, so it's a very special day indeed uh, here in uh, Australia. Uh, and I guess worldwide, if you're watching worldwide, hello. If you're watching on replay, hello as well. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you leave a comment. And if you're listening to us on audio podcast, hello as well. Thank you for tuning in. All right, let's welcome our regular guests as always. Let's say hello to Mr. Riz, uh, actor, and also uh, Rahul Prasad as well. Uh, hello, gents. Uh, how are we both? I'll start with Rahul. How are you, Rahul? Hey, Tom. Hey, Riz. Yeah, fantastic. Um yeah, special uh, edition of uh, Ludicrous Freed Live. I'm, I'm glad that we all could find time in our busy days of our lives um, to make this session. So, um, yeah, looking forward to this one with Charge Fox and Rob. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to get Rob on. Uh, Riz, how are you? Uh, where are you broadcasting from today? Um, Collins Street in Melbourne. Um, but, yeah, sorry for cut out there. I think the internet's a bit patchy. Um so no, all, all good. Um, good to be here. Lunchtime special. Um, I'll try and hang on as long as I can. But yeah, no, excited. <laughs> excited to see Rob and learn all about charging. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot wait. Uh, look, I want to thank both of you too for joining us at lunchtime. You know, it's great to, that you can take some time out of your day to join us indeed. So we're all very grateful. Okay, so let's welcome our guest for today. Uh, that's Mr. Rob Asselman uh, from ChargeFox. Uh, it says on his LinkedIn profile that he is a marketing leader and self-proclaimed energy nerd as well. So with that, uh, I will introduce Rob from ChargeFox to tell, him, tell us more about himself. Hello, Rob. How are you? Hey, Tom. I'm great. How are you? I'm very well. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today on Ludicrous Feed Live in the middle of the day on a Thursday. Not a problem. Very excited to be here. Excellent. Well, uh, Rob, why don't you um, start off by telling us, I guess, a little, about, a little bit about yourself, uh, I guess, particularly with relation to the renewable and energy uh, electric vehicle space? Yeah, thanks, Tom. And uh, nice to see you as well, Riz and Rahul. Um, yeah, for me, I'm, a, as I said, self-confessed energy nerd and marketer. I studied IT way back in the day, um, but I've moved into energy. I've moved into marketing. I've worked in uh, various roles in in energy over the last 13 or 14 years, renewables, uh, carbon and energy trading, energy distribution, energy transmission, community mini grids, community batteries, and now uh, presently into EV. So uh, this is my first, I guess, EV specific role, but um, very much live and breathe the whole energy game. I recently electrified my house, had the gas meter removed. It was a very proud day. Um, so I, I, I live and breathe it. I work it uh, Monday to Friday, but it's me on Saturdays and Sundays and every time in between. Oh, fantastic. Great to hear. And you've got a fan already in Gaffer. Uh, one of our members says, love that sign in the background, Rob. I assume he means the... Uh, the one? Yeah, I would I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Almost as good as one. Sorry. Yes, I, sh I should also say I, I drive an Addo 3 as well. I'm sure there's some uh, of the viewers that are curious to know what I drive. Excellent. drive an Addo 3 with the that two car next, seats in the back. That was my next question, actually. What, what car do you drive? So glad to hear you're driving an EV. How long have you had it for? A uh, couple of months now. Um, I ordered, I think it was December or January, but obviously the supply chain challenges meant that I had to wait a little while. But I hear when I picked it up that now the, weeks, the wait's only about four weeks. 
which is great. So um, it fits the two car seats. We've got two young daughters. It fits the two car seats in the back. That was the main thing. And we actually did our first big road trip uh, on the weekend, which was excellent, down to Apollo Bay on the Great Ocean Road. First EV, long EV road trip and uh, had a really good time. I, uh, I, it, was, it was enjoyable all around. That's, that's, that's awesome, Rob. And um, as you know, it takes time to build your dreams. So if you have to wait a couple of months to get yours, then yeah, uh, we can we can understand. <laughs> That's a good one. Yes, uh, I really should stop drinking when Riz talks because he makes me laugh. <laughs> um, and we should have warned Rob uh, that Riz is uh, yeah, you know, stand up comedy during his uh, spare time. So anyway, let's go. <laughs> um, so Rob, yes, so two young children, obviously a family car, a three, perfectly built for that purpose. Um, first road trip to Apollo Bay, dare I ask, how did it go? It went well. I went down there to run the Great Ocean Road Marathon. Don't maybe ask about that. That was that was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. But the, the driving part of it was fantastic. I stopped at the RACV Club in Torquay there, which was just a, a really great, great experience. I, I sort of thought to myself, wow, this really beats stopping at a Caltex and sort of trying to refuse two Mentos for two bucks, sitting there and getting a nice coffee and a nice meal in front of the fireplace at the RACV Club whilst my vehicle was charging. I was like, this is this is what road tripping is all about, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. How good is that, right? That's living the dream, charging, doing something else, coming back, the car's topped up. Um, let's talk a bit more, obviously, about your role at ChargeFox. How long have you been uh, in this role so far? Uh, not a great deal of time, a couple of months, I think. Uh, it's about two months. So I'm the head of marketing at ChargeFox uh, and, and really enjoying it. It's a great team. Um, I'd really love, it, you know, assuming this all goes well, it seems to be going well so far that we get a few of the other um, uh, foxes in here, perhaps guesting soon. Might be able to talk our, our head honcho, John Sullivan, into joining you fine folks uh, at some stage down the track. Excellent. Foxy guys and girls. Um, look, I'm, I'm very thankful, actually, that uh, the ChargeFox uh, Twitter account, which I assume you are part of, uh, is starting to engage with consumers and EV owners, uh, which is great. It's, I guess, to be honest, it's been a bit quiet from you guys in the last year, so I'm glad to have that engagement again. Um, what's what's your general feel of you know the sentiment so far that you've found in your role from, from EV owners? Oh, it's, I mean, the, the great thing about, I think, energy and renewables, but particularly EVs, is that we're in a, not only in a once-in-a-generation, we're in a once-in-a-hundred-year transition between ICE cars to EV cars. Um, people want to talk about EVs. People are passionate about it. They have, you know, a vision for what the EV charging landscape should look like. Um, they're really engaged. The passion is, is felt really, really deeply, which is great. Um, Chargefox is an Australian success story. You know, it's a country, a company that's only been around for, you know, five or six years. Uh, it's founded in 2018, um, right here in Melbourne where I am. Uh, and and it's, a, it's a company that is uh, exclusively staffed by people that are passionate about bringing this amazing EV future and present but future that we all know that we need to get to, which is 100% EV penetration to tackle all the, the emissions and energy challenges that we have. Yep. Now, that's great to hear. That's obviously, that's it. we're all on the same page here, certainly the three of us uh, and also most of the chat, I would think. And by the way, everyone, leave your comments and questions in the chat. We will star them uh, on our end and make sure we'll go through them uh, later on as well in the Q&A section. So keep them coming. If we see anything really urgent, we'll put them up, put them up on the screen for sure as well. Um, and yeah, Gaffer, again, Gaffer's a big fan, I can see. I think it's great that Rob is living the lifestyle, real-world experience using the infrastructure will be invaluable. Yep, uh, great to hear. Thanks, Gaffer. Um, okay, so yeah, you mentioned a little bit about the mission of ChargeFox. Uh, yeah, I mean, what was the original, you know, startup? What was the plan for ChargeFox back in the day? Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it predates my existence. As I said, the, the uh, uh, 
my tenure is two months at the moment. But yeah, founded in 2018 uh, by three gentlemen, I think, who just had a vision for providing the infrastructure that was going to be needed for uh, electric vehicles. Uh, and the first, I guess, huge achievement was to build the first supercharger network in Australia or ultra rapid chargers that we call them. So 21 ultra rapid chargers, um, the first company to do that. Uh, and since then, I guess we've evolved. So we've evolved to be a platform business, what we describe as a platform business. The easiest analogy I can give you is that uh, Chargefox owns very, very few charges, the actual charges themselves. Um, of the 1,450 at last count publicly available charges, we only own a handful of those or so. But what we do is enable other businesses to provide charging infrastructure to all you amazing and growing number of EV drivers out there. So we're really a software business. So that analogy, as I mentioned, is similar to kind of Uber uh, or Airbnb, sort of take your pick there, in that we provide the technology to locate, find, uh, pay for, uh, and charge your vehicle, essentially. We don't own the charges, uh, but what that enables us to do is to support large businesses, small businesses, councils, governments, to provide EV charging infrastructure that is available to the public. Okay, so yeah, obviously very much software orientated. So the app that we use, Chargefox app, you guys run that. Uh, any issues with the app and the software would run to you. So what I guess, I guess the burning question on everyone's lips is what happens when a charger breaks down or is unavailable? Um, what's our first port of call here? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. And and just in terms of the app, the app, uh, it's not a white labeled app. I know there's a lot of other organisations that take a, a pre-existing app potentially from the European or North American market and rebadge it. Um, our app is is built, maintained by uh, people right here in Australia, which is really fantastic, which enables us to, I think, cater to the Australian market, but also enables us to adapt to, to Australian drivers' needs, which we feel is really important, something unique that we bring. In terms of your question, um, it's a really good question. It's probably the question that we get the most. Uh, and to answer, to answer that question, essentially for the few charges that we own, um, as I said, 21 or so charges around the country. That's a pretty easy equation. It faults. Um, we try to get the spare parts. If it needs spare parts, the quicker we can get those spare parts, the better. We'll send a tech out. We'll get them repaired and hopefully get that thing moving um, uh, sooner rather than later. There have been some challenges with supply chain, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some stage during this, this chat, I assume. Um, in terms of the 1,400 plus other plugs around Australia, the way that it works is if we have an organisation, for example, let's say you run a winery in the Hunter Valley and you've got a couple of EV chargers there for your guests to after they've been drinking responsibly to recharge their car and drive home, if one of those faults, uh, our system will automatically notify the owner of that charger. We call that person the charge point operator or the host. Um, we'll notify that person. And if they have a maintenance partner, uh, we'll notify their maintenance partner and we'll say um, the charger at Amazing Winery X in the Hunter Valley has faulted. You need to get someone out there to investigate further. Uh, they'll undertake that investigation, either the, the site themselves. Um, but what we hope will happen is that that will evolve to formal maintenance agreements so that nearly all hosts will have formal maintenance agreements. Uh, and then they'll be able to contact that that person with the right expertise and the right qualifications to come out, investigate the fault that's happening in that particular unit or units, uh, and then address it and repair it. Uh, that's a relatively easy story to tell. Uh, when it comes to the actual process of having that done, we are, and the charge point operator, the owner, I should say, is, is sorry, my laptop has just died. No, we can uh, hear you. still there? Yeah, yep. yep, that's strange. Um, can you still see me? Great. I'm back. Still Sorry, my laptop 
just black out for a while. Um, so essentially, the challenges that we have, and if you have been seeing some prolonged outages on our network, it's it's usually one of two uh, reasons. Firstly, it's because we're unable to source the parts required to repair those units, and I think many in your in your audience will be aware that there have been some challenges in sourcing parts from um, a number of different manufacturers and that's primarily because of the huge growth of EVs around the world there's demand for these parts in all four corners of the globe and as we all know um, sometimes Australia is not the first uh, market to receive all the amazing tech and and parts that we need in almost all parts of our life which is frustrating Um, and then there's the other side of things is we have a whole swathe of different uh, hosts from large organizations with internal staff that have electrical qualifications and maintenance agreements and the means and the resources to do all that um you know big supermarkets big chains they have money they have resources they have capacity they have capability and then our business model i guess the strength of it is that we want to make it possible for every person every business of every size to host an ev charger so that means that if you notify a person who's a, a small business Um, and they're trying to keep the lights on, they're trying to make wine, they're trying to make coffee, they're trying to um, run a small shop, whatever the case may be, fixing that EV charger might not be the most important thing on their their to-do list. Um, So we liaise with those hosts every day. We've got a a really uh, gifted, hardworking, passionate and growing team here that are increasingly liaising with our hosts to help provide the support they need to get that charger back online. The challenge is we don't own the charger. So we, we are unable to just send a tech out there. We, we don't have a warehouse of parts anywhere. I don't think anyone uh, does. And we can't fix that charger because it's not ours. We can support um, and, and guide the host and encourage the host to do that. Okay, thanks, Rob. That's that's actually quite a good explanation. For, I guess I'm trying to get my head around that. So I guess you guys, ChargeFox, is, it's more open source. You invite people to be part of your network. Uh, you help run the software. But ultimately, maintenance ownership lands with the owner or the proprietor that has the charger on site for most of your charges. So that's why I see yeah, that, that correct? That's great. And, yep. Yeah, and, and I think that the model evolved to be that way because, and, and I, I might be um, sort of bastardizing the past, but I believe it's largely correct, is that the goal for the business was to provide ubiquitous electric vehicle charging for everyone everywhere all the time like that that's that's what we need right in order for evs to grow to what we need them to grow to as a species as people that need mobility as all the things that we need evs for we need more charges than i think one particular company can go out and put in the ground so the model changing to this platform business as we describe ourselves Mm. means that we're able to support as many businesses or or groups or governments as possible to get charges in the ground and get them available to drivers so there are pros and cons in that as we've been through and it gives us less control but it it means that we've been able to get to 1450 plugs and thousands more private plugs which is as far as i'm aware and i'm pretty confident orders of magnitude larger than our nearest competitors mm-hmm. um so it, it's a trade it's it's a trade-off Yep. I, I will touch on uh, your business model versus your competitors, for example, later on. Uh, but I will put this question, and Riz, I'm aware I'll, I'll get you to I'll come to you in a second. Uh, I just want to put this question up from Sam, who asks, what happens if the owner doesn't take action? The store, which I mentioned previously, has been out for more than six months. Like, where's the accountability with this, uh, Rob? 
Oh, that's a, it's a really, really good question. It's something that we're tackling at the moment. So um, our head of operations, John, who's a, a very hard, hardworking guy behind the scenes and has sort of armed me with a lot of information to present today. Um, he's now looking at what our, I guess, our SLAs are, what the standards we expect from our hosts are, um, trying to make those a little bit more robust uh, so that we're able to, I guess, have a, a stick and a carrot with our host. We want our hosts to provide the most optimal charging experience for for drivers. That, that's what we want. Um, and in order to and and most hosts they want that too. But as I said, work life, all these things get in the way, which means that perhaps the driver, uh, sorry, a host doesn't repair that unit in what we would consider to be an acceptable time. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's not repaired because they're a- unable to source a part for a prolonged period, then th- that's not their fault. Um, and we need to look at that in a particular way. Now, if it's just that they don't want to address the issue or they haven't given it the attention that it needs, it's something different. On the on the first example, when we're a- unable to source parts, we've sadly had examples recently where charges have been or will be taken out of the ground completely and replaced. The whole unit will be replaced because we're unable to source parts. That's a real shame. It's really wasteful um, in a lot of ways um, in terms of resources, in terms of money, in terms of time. But it needs to be done because there's no point having charges offline for months and months and months at a time. Um, but to answer your question, what do we do in the case where a, a host just isn't on it? They're not dedicating the time and resource to fix it. We need to work out at what stage do we remove that charger from the network, as an example. What's the, I guess, the escalating series of, uh, of actions we need to take as the platform operator with that host to get them to bring it? Um, back online and the the short answer to that is at the moment we don't have a defined practice for what we do but we are focusing on that now and I think in the first quarter of the next financial year so from July to uh, September we'll be seeking to have something more robust and published and publicly available to to yourselves and the hosts themselves. The, the, The final thing I'll add to that is the, the mission for the business up until now has just been basically grow charging opportunities at all costs. We just want more plugs, more plugs, more plugs, more plugs, because that's what we needed. And we didn't want to introduce, I guess, restrictions or penalties that might discourage people from deploying plugs. Now, I think we all understand that we've got to the point now where it's not just about quantity. It needs to be about quality as well. So that's why we're now able to focus on on those exact SLA uptime type metrics. Cool. Thanks, Rob. That's a great answer. And look, I look forward to seeing some metrics actually, because that that accountability will actually help everyone, uh, not just ChargeFox, but the confidence that we have in the charging network. I'm happy to take a road trip because I know there's uptime, you know, set percentage uh, for this area. So thanks. Um, Riz, you had a question. Yeah, Rob, thanks for that. It's um, I, I guess you've just sort of mentioned how quickly, how fast ChargeFox is growing with the number of charging plugs that you're operating on. Has that got something to do with uh, the fact that most people on the team move as fast as a fox uh, <laughs> to get more more units on board, more customers, and ensuring that you offer a very comprehensive, large-scale, fast-moving charging infrastructure across Australia? I, I appreciate that, Riz. That's very, very flattering. Um, I actually don't even know where the origin of 
of the name came from. It's probably something as the head of marketing I should chase up. So, And foxes, I believe, are also really traditionally, or in the wild, they're very solo animals. We very much work as a team. Um, I did hear a funny anecdote about foxes. What someone said, a fox is uh, dog hardware running cat software. And that really <laughs> yeah. stuck with me because it's a really I like funny it. anecdote about foxes. Um, so the team, just, just very, very briefly on the team, the team is growing really, really fast. Um, we have new staff members starting... A, uh, quite often, and we've had a number start even since I started. We've had um, really, really great people join the team, as I said, that are super passionate. Um, but we're not a huge company. I think maybe that's often misunderstood. I think there's only about 30 or 40 employees in the whole of ChargeFox that are doing all the things that you can imagine are involved in running a network of three and a half thousand odd charges, building software, maintaining it, speaking to customers like yourself. Um, so we're, we're not a big company we are relatively small in headcount terms but we are growing fast so um yeah it's an exciting place to work okay so it sounds like charge fox is in a bit of a consolidatory phase where systems governance is being put in hopefully we'll see some some good things come out of it in the next six months hopefully yeah yeah absolutely i think we're really in a state of transition where we've gone from that growth at all costs like we just want more plugs more plugs more plugs Mm. And we're now, I think, very similar to the EV industry and the driving public at large. It's it's gone from being the early adopters and, and you know, there's the stereotypical EV driver that's existed for the last five or ten years. Um, but now the, the the tomorrow's EV driver, next year's EV driver, five years from now, there isn't an EV driver. It's just all it's just all drivers. It's mums that need to get their kids to school. It's um it's people working a trade. It's people, families going on holidays. It's every driver is an EV driver now. And that's the future that I'm looking towards. Like we need to cater to the early adopters and, and people like yourselves who are here to, to dedicate time and energy to the whole EV ecosystem. But what we need to build for is the people that just need to get from A to B and actually don't care about all the stuff behind the scenes. They just need to know they can, wherever they're going to go, their car's going to get them there. And if they need to charge, they're going to be on charge. And that's it. There's no mental load. This, it needs to be the EV charging experience must be better than the petrol exp- uh, fill-up experience in every way for us to achieve what we need to mm. achieve. Yep, no, very well said. You're right. We're eight percent in April 2023 of new car sales. It's going to double, you know, every whatever six months. So we, we have to get there. We need Charge Fox and all the other providers to provide a great experience. Hundred uh, percent. Let's go through some uh, viewer comments now. So Gary Puck says, uh, "I have a private charger in my apartment block. I think we've had Gary on the stream before." Uh, runs off ChargeFox network for billing. I get a very timely email if the charger loses connection. Very happy. So thanks for that, Gary. Good feedback. That's great to hear, Gary. And I think that the great thing about that, one of the, the big challenges is always that high density living. How do we provide the great things that everyone can have if you have a, a garage that you can plug into? But for those people who live in apartments, they're living in a city, how do we make sure that it's an equitable experience? And, and I'm really Myself, just personally, really passionate about making sure that the future for EVs is equitable, that as many people as possible have access to the the, the benefits of driving an electric vehicle. Thanks, Gary. Uh, one from Jerry Can. Interested to know what Charge Fox's plans are for expanding the network, uh, particularly installing tap and go credit card payment. Uh, what are your plans for that, Rob? Because that will certainly improve the experience for the uh, future EV owners. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So at the moment, um, you can exclusively engage with a ChargeFox charger through the ChargeFox app or through, you might have an RFID fob, which I have somewhere on my very messy desk here or, or a card. Um, what we want to do is we want to expand it so that customers have a choice of how they pay. Like we're looking to an ideal future where you can 
you can pay through the display in your car, you can plug and charge um, automatically, you can charge using the credit card. We want to make sure that Chargebox remains the platform, obviously, because we, we think that we can we can do that as best as possible. But it's that optionality, that flexibility that we want to um, provide. Uh, we also want to provide uh, flexibility for our hosts. So if our hosts want to introduce the ability to tap and pay, because as, as I said, we don't own the charges themselves, we would by all means want to support that. Um, so I don't have a specific date for when and how often and where that will happen, but we want all the all the opportunities, all the payment methods to be available to drivers. Yeah. No, I can't imagine uh, having to log into an app to fill up a tank of petrol. So I can't imagine one day drivers will be able to tolerate logging in each time. I mean, I understand apps for data collection in the initial phase, but I think as time goes on, even I mean, even in New South Wales, at least, we don't have to have an Opal card anymore to tap onto the train network or the bus network. You just use your credit card. So I imagine hopefully one day the same will happen for EV charges I, too. I, I wrestle with that. I, I absolutely agree. But I also, I sort of compare the the taxi experience with the Uber experience. Like, you know, remember back in the bad old days when taxis didn't have FPOS or the credit card machine didn't work or whatever the case may be. Um, and that first experience you had where you just got in an Uber and then you got out and there was no mucking around. There was no tapping. There was no, we just, and part of that was the app being able to store the payment information. Now, by no means do I think that should be the only option. But there is still a, a convenience in just being able to do that because it's in the app. But also, no one wants to have 25 different EV charging apps on their phone and have to work out where they're going. That is a pain in the ass. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Sam's got a great question. I'm certainly an advocate for this. Are there any plans for idle fees at charges? Ding, ding, ding. That question, that was the $64,000 question that I knew someone would ask. I should send you out a T-shirt, Sam, a Chargebox T-shirt. Um, <laughs> really, really great question. And yes, there will be some uh, idle fees uh, trials that we'll be doing shortly. And the reason I say trials and when I engage with particularly the Twitter audience, there's always the now, now, now. We know we need idle fees. It must happen now. And I absolutely agree with that. We are all aware that the need to get cars to move on is important so as many possible people can charge. But as you, as you can understand, we need to make sure that it's done right so that we don't get any unforeseen impacts to the utility, the convenience of charging, and also for our hosts. So our hosts have particular requirements. So if you go to your local Westfield, for example, or your local supermarket or your local um, cafe or winery, um, it, it's and you, you charge at their charger, they they have particular goals that they've got for that charger. They want to make a financial return. They want people to frequent their store, all those types of things. So we want to make sure that we're not penalising people and having a bad experience from those people that are charged parking fees, uh, uh, idle fees, in the same way that parking fines when you park in your local city or you go wherever you go, they suck. Like it, there's almost nothing more infuriating than when you get a parking fine. But the principle for why parking fines exist is great because otherwise people would just park and you could never go there. But for anyone's had a parking fine, I'm sure most of us have, it, is, it sucks and it's something that stays with you and you just rail against every part of it. because you What a waste it. of like, money, right? <laughs> exactly. But in principle, you're like, I know why these exist. Yeah. So we've got to make sure that the idle fee methodology that we introduce does what we need it to do in order to benefit the most possible drivers, but without having a negative impact that, that outweighs the benefits. So in short answer, idle fees will be trialled in some limited locations soon. I don't have any specific information right now, and we will be likely introducing it further into the network in the future. 
Uh, I might cut to Rahul here because I know Rahul doesn't have any off-street charging or off-street parking. You've got to rely on public infrastructure like ChargeFox and your competitors. Uh, Rahul, I mean, idle fees, a good thing, obviously, for urban environments? Yeah, I think most definitely. Um, you know, I, I live in sort of very close to Brunswick where the Brunswick EV hub is, um, and I've used ChargeFox, um, you know, charges in their, in their very sort of first iterations when they first came to market. Brilliant, brilliant, you know, way... The charges just worked effortlessly, seamlessly all the time up until the point, unfortunately, when they did start breaking down because of parts issues. So that Brunswick EV hub was so busy um, and has gotten so busy over the last 12 months with the adoption of EV cars, especially in a very high-density urban area where there's more and more apartments coming up and more people are choosing to buy EVs rather than than ICE cars being, a, being a, I guess, a, a, a more affluent area, a more sort of... Uh, yeah, upmarket area. It, it has been a challenge because cars have been parked there, you know, for, for well past their time. Now, I, I do understand that because that's happened to me where I've parked the car. I've got two young kids, you know, four-year-old and a 12-month-old, and they want to go to the bathroom. So you go to the local shopping centre, but you got the app with you. You get you get notified. You come back within five minutes, ten minutes, grace period. Um, and, yeah, apart from that, otherwise, you know, that, that just becomes a uh, – a challenge, and and some people will respond in a in a polite manner, and then there are some vicious responses, as as you might be aware, Rob. You know, via social media or via messages left on your windscreen. Um, you know, all those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, that that's been my personal experience. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I think that the there needs to be a, a, a more elegant solution than just you've been here too long, you are going to pay a financial penalty. And, and I don't know exactly what that is. And there's people that are far more intelligent than me behind the scenes of ChargeFox that are working on that. But we want to engage with our drivers as well to understand that. And just speaking to the Brunswick EV hub, that um, you're not wrong in saying that that's a very, very, or has been a very, very busy location. Um, prior to it going offline and us being unfortunately unable to source parts for a prolonged period, that was by far our busiest location in the entire nation by by a long way. So I think the second busiest was some locations in um, in inner city Sydney, um, but Brunswick, yeah, that that got some some pretty heavy use, and uh, I, I believe that that's going to be replaced with some new equipment very very shortly, which is really exciting and not before time. Love it, cool. can't wait. Uh, Rob looks like your boss is here. Uh, John Sullivan says, "Hi, John. Here, CEO at ChargeFox. We have some stations that have credit card payments. The WA and EV network have a credit card payment mechanism." Hello, John. Thanks for joining us. Great to see you. Um, and John also says, "No funds received from idle fees ever go to ChargeFox. Idle fees are there to help inform respectful charging behaviour." Yep. Fantastic. Yeah, that's a really good call out. We're not going to be looking to profiteer from this at all. Um, that's that's not the not the idea. Um, okay, so question for you, Rob. Uh, what is the biggest challenge for deployment of ChargeFox stations currently? Oh, that's a, that's a very, very good question. Um, so we have, we're really fortunate in terms of a business that's still not, not a startup, let's call it a scale-up, in that we have far more inquiries that come in every day than we could possibly deal with. Our business development team is, is four or five uh, people working really, really hard Um the, the challenge really is, there are a number of challenges. I would say the main challenge is installing a piece of charging infrastructure is really complex. Like we we recently installed, uh, we didn't, we were, there have been charges installed at, um, in Wonturner in Victoria at a large commercial um, uh, development in an area that used to be called Caribbean Gardens. Um, and 
the amount of people that are involved in doing that in terms of the approvals, the real estate, the energy supply, the bulldozing and cutting up the bitumen, the running cable, all of that type of stuff, it, it is literally hundreds of people. And that's just to get uh, I think four. I think there's four plugs that are involved there, um, and then there's the supply chain issues, and then there's the software issues. It's. I know it sounds like a bit of a cop out. It's. It's a highly complex project. When you think about building a house, um, the amount of if you've ever built a house or you've had to ever get permits or this type of complex bureaucratic stuff, it is. It's a pain in the backside. There is a lot of stuff that has to happen. So I would say that that is the most challenging thing. If the question is is more around. I, I wish that there were more charges in my location. If your drivers are asking, you know, how come my local shops doesn't have a, a set of charges, um, which is a, which is a really common question. Or, hey, I heard that there's a um, this particular family restaurant that often has drive-throughs has charges in this particular location. Why doesn't mine? Um, we are we are driven by our our customers, by our charge point owners who ask us to install charges. So, if you want a charger at your local supermarket, at your local convenience store. Go in, go in and tell them and say, hey, it'd be really great if you had some charges out there and, hey, give Chargefox a bell. They'll be able to help you out with that um, or whomever else. So that's really the process to get that done. Um, I guess we keep talking about supply issues. I mean, obviously, a lot of your earlier charges are from a certain brand that has obviously copped a bit of a hiding as well from the local, local EV community. I mean, is there a plan to keep going with that brand or are you going to diverse a bit more and go with other brands of charges? Yeah, we, so we've got a um, an approved hardware list at, at Chargefox. So we have a, an approved set of chargers which have been tested and we independently test them. It's really important to us that chargers that are deployed onto the network, they obviously meet Australian standards because they need to to get here, um, but we want them to be better than just the minimum standard. So we have um, a, a team here that plug in the chargers, they test the hardware, they test the software, they make sure it's all going to work. So at the moment, I believe that uh, has 14 different manufacturers on it um so it's not just the the um the brand that we're skirting around at the moment there's abb there's schneider there's uh uh Hong, there's I, I had the list somewhere here but there's a number of charges and we say to our charge point host it is ultimately their choice which brand that they want to install from that list because it's not our job to tell them which brand that they install but it does have to come from that list we get inquiries almost every other day from a new manufacturer who says, oh, we, we, we now manufacture charges. Can we put them on your network? Um, and one of the reasons we're becoming, I guess, more prescriptive about the types of organisations that can do that is we want to ensure now that they have maintenance provision in Australia. We want to make sure that their warranties stand up to snuff. All those things that are that are learnings that we've had. It's not just getting the charger in the ground for the right price that gives you the right um, kilowatt hour of supply. It's got to make sure that if it if it breaks down, I want to know that there's a tech that can drive there that fix it, that there's a warehouse that's storing spare parts that can fix it in a, in a reasonable amount of time. So short answer to your question once again, because I do tend to prattle on, please feel free to interrupt me, is we have about 14 different manufacturers on that list at the moment, I think about 25 odd different models themselves that we accept mm. on our network. Uh, Rob, just on manufacturers, um, is it quicker to get parts out of Finland than it is out of Brisbane? <laughs> I honestly can't answer that. I, it is so far outside of my field of expertise yeah. that I would be lying if I tried to make up an answer. Sorry, Riz, I can't give you. No worries, I, I, I all can good. Give you on that and try to find out, but I don't know myself. Yeah, I can see what Riz is getting at because surely ChargeFox has some sway and some influence over 
what charges such should be installing given the past history of what's happened and given the, your history with maintenance and supply chain? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we give people guidance on which charges we think should be installed. Um, with a number of, say, the governments that we work with, so we work with WA government, New South Wales government, Queensland government, um, most state governments now, is oftentimes they will have requirements in their requests for proposals that say that, for example, um, your charges, the charges that we put down must be Australian-made or from an Australian company. Um, that that lowers the pool of manufacturers that we can that we can uh, pull from or that the project can pull from, uh, which makes it challenging. But absolutely, yes, we do provide guidance. And now that we have a number of years of experience, we can provide informed guidance about what we would like to see installed on the network for particular reasons. Yeah. I mean, just from a consumer's point of view, I've got to admit to you, I, my heart does sink a little bit when I see a certain brand that I know has had reliability issues. So... That's just from my point of view. I mean, does do you do you still get government funding at all to install charges, given that you're more software now rather than installing hardware? No, my, I, I I checked with um my colleagues uh, prior to this, so there was a, a a loan that was provided through Arena for that initial installation of the twenty one ultra rapid charges. Uh, other than that, no, there's no continual um, funding from the government. Particular projects that we are involved in, i.e., that are on the ChargeFox network do receive funding, but it's usually the owners of that hardware rather than than us that do that. So we don't have ongoing funding. And even that initial funding from Arena was a, a loan, of six, an interest-free loan, I believe, for $6 million. The project ended up costing $15 million. And I think the challenging thing, speaking to the reliability issues going forward, is a lot of the grants that come from government for these types of projects, they don't factor in ongoing maintenance of that infrastructure it is like yes you know it's great let's get all these charges in the ground here's a bunch of money which is fantastic to make that happen but hey we need these charges to work for the next 10 or 20 years how do we fund that um and i think that's something the industry is wrestling with a little bit at the moment uh question here from sam again thanks sam for these questions uh who sets the pricing uh per kilowatt on the store is it charge folks is it the host who, who maintain who regulates this questions with an easy answer are great bring them on uh the host the host decides what the price is Okay. With recommendation from you guys, I assume. Oh, we, we'll, we'll provide them. I'm, I mean, I'm sure in most cases I say, oh, well, what's normal? Because this is the thing. Most hosts, most, and most EV drivers, but for the sake of this question, host, it's the first time doing this. Um, it, there's very few businesses still that have like, oh, this is old hat. We've installed hundreds of charges. We know how this works. It's like, oh, I want to install EV charges because I see more and more Teslas or BYDs or Kias or whatever in my car park. I want them to stop at my cafe, my winery, my business, whatever. Um how, the, how much should this cost? i got no bloody idea is often the start of the conversation. Yeah, great point. I, I'm, by the way, I'm more likely to stay at an accommodation with on-site charging, just anyone watching who owns something like that. So, that you know. Yeah, you see if you are Airbnbs with a huge extension cord kind of snaking out <laughs> the door of the Airbnb to wherever the car park is. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> um, Bo says, thank you, ChargeFox, for providing availability to PlugShare and Google Maps, especially now Google Maps tells you when a charger was last used. Uh, for that bit more assurance, it's good to go. That's uh, great. Good, good for trip planning too, I must say. And if I can comment on that, we're really keen to make that even more widely available. We want to make sure that the information about our charges and, and the char- not our charges, the charges that are on the ChargeFox network, are um, the information is distributed as far and wide and as available to as many people as possible. 
That's great. Um, and also, Gaffer's just put up a comment which I wanted to ask earlier. So thanks, Gaffer, for reminding me. Is Charge Fox still a separate identity or is it a department now under the NRMA? Great questions. Very informed audience. Um, so we are owned by AMS now, Australian Motoring Services. Uh, and Australian Motoring Services uh, is essentially the, uh, the motoring clubs, RACV, NRMA, RAA, Wherever you are in Australia, you've got an acronym of the people that help you if your car battery goes flat or you get a flat tire, those guys, and they provide insurance and all those other great things and resorts. Um, AMS is owned by all of the clubs together, and then AMS own us. I hope that made sense. Did that make sense? Uh, I think so. So you're on the, under the umbrella of the AMS via the state clubs. Correct, yes. Yeah. So okay. so in simple terms, we're not a department of the NRMA. We, we um, are owned by and work for the motoring clubs around Australia, of which the NRMA is one. So, sorry, Riz, go on. Uh, just on that one, um, Rob, there is, and, and, you know, we live in Melbourne, so it's hard for us to tell. From what I understand, the NRMA charging network currently is available to everyone for free with potential launch of an app. Do you know if ChargeFox will be involved with that, given you sit under that, AMS umbrella because the ChargeFox app is really reliable. Like it, it works yeah. and it works on mm-hmm. most phones. I'm not sure on the specifics of that exactly as to whether they'll, they'll be available, whether there'll be a separate NRMA app, whether they'll be on the ChargeFox app. Um, but but our, I guess our, going back to my, my previous point, our goal is that we want to make sure that as many plugs as possible are available through as many different experiences as possible whether it's your car whether it's your app whether it's whatever so i'm not sure on that project specifically i can definitely get back to you on that um but broadly the idea for us is about flexibility and availability yeah so if anybody's from the ams is watching i'd actually love to have one of you on the stream because that i would like to have some um some knowledge around what's happening with the app particularly with the nrma network which is one of the biggest ams networks out there so uh, just just to call out um, I'll take uh, that. I'll also take that um, back. Our offices. We actually share offices with the AMS staff, so we we co-locate in the same place uh, in the city. So I can uh, I can uncover that information and get back to you on that. Thanks, Rob. That'd be really good. Uh, comment from Jim Donaldson. One app to rule them all. I agree. That'd be great. One day we can do that. Um, and you don't have to answer this, Rob. But this is a comment about how ChargeFox makes money. I guess just just a general comment about yeah. what happens there. I'm more than happy to answer that question. So uh, essentially when a, uh, a charger is, we've got a few different ways, but the main one is when a charger is installed. So if I use that hypothetical winery in the Hunter Valley again, um, they decide what the uh, the rate is that they're going to charge for per kilowatt hour for that charging. And we click the ticket on that. I think it's 5%. Um, so in every dollar that goes through, 95 cents of that goes back to the winery owner or the business owner. And for all our hosting and our network costs and our overheads and People like me coming on this show here and spending time to do that, um, we take five five cents, five percent. Oh, thanks, Rob. I appreciate you being so transparent with that. Um, and Kenny Timms asks, uh, what are the plans for any mega charging locations like we see in Europe and the USA for six plus small stalls? Yeah, you know, this is a really good question. We actually had a like a leadership team offsite the last couple of days. We'll be talking about the the future of ChargeFox and and what our what our overall goals are and how we work out what success looks like. Um, and I'm really passionate about this this kind of triangle of reliability, optionality, and availability. So just to unpack that very, very briefly, reliability is obvious. A plug needs to work. That That is absolute number one with a bullet. If there's a plug there, 
power should come out of it that you can get into the battery of your car. End of story. Um, availability for me is is your ability that when you go to a, a charging station, a charging location, you should have a spare plug in order for you to plug in. So it should, needs to work and the plug needs to be available. The third one for me is optionality, which is that if they are offline, if you go to that charging location and either all the plugs are used or one is out of order, whatever the case may be, it's been iced, for example, you should be able to easily get to another plug, whether it's three kilometres away, 10 kilometres, who knows what it is, whatever is an acceptable level, and we're still working on that, you should be able to go to another location. So we don't personally have plans for mega charging locations with um, 6, 10, 12 units because we don't own the hardware. But because of our model and because we have so many charging points and we're seeking to be more flexible and have more, so we're seeking to have uh, 5,000 5, charging points by 2025, yes, 5,000 plugs by 2025, publicly available plugs on the Chargebox network. Even if we don't have a location where there's 12 chargers, if there's four but they're all used, we want you to be able to drive a block over, two minutes over, and there'd be a plug for you to grab. Mm-hmm. That, that is an ideal world, Rob. I'd love to subscribe to that. Um, I guess I sh- I'm going to throw a spanner in the works. Like, you know, given that you've, you're still new in the role, you know, we've discussed ChargeFox is more about open source, more about the platform. You've got competitors in Australia that are more, I guess, integrated. They own their chargers, they own the infrastructure. There are pros and cons of both. Like what, and now that I know your bosses are watching as well, which John's watching, what is the direction of ChargeFox? Are you becoming more integrated? Are you going to own the charges one day or are you going to keep with the platform model? I think we're very much the platform model. Uh, in fact, I would, and and um, as you said, the, the head honcho is listening here. So I, I might, um, if this is the last time I see you, well, it's been great. Um, <laughs> no, no, joking. Um, is that we would love all plugs in Australia to be on the ChargeFox network. We, we don't want to be a competitor to the owners of the infrastructure. We we don't own, we, start, we own very few chargers. We will not own or build any more new chargers. We are about availability and building a platform, as I mentioned, a flexible platform. So I'd love to see a future where our competitors, I guess that's what we would nominally, nominally call them, are, are available through ChargeFox because we don't want to compete in the hardware game. When that's not us. Um, we want to make sure that we build perhaps that one app to rule them all, as you said, or one platform to rule them all. Um, and we can take our, you know, our small nominal clip of the ticket on the way through and the businesses that do the hardware and do that best, they can go gung-ho into that. Okay. Um, question from Bev. Are there any plans for south of Adelaide or country area? Uh, I there's so there's charges in Port Adelaide at the moment. Um, I'd have to look up the network. I'm not sure offhand about specific locations, um, but I'm sure there are a couple of other foxes that are listening. We can chase that up afterwards to advise what planned um, locations we have in South Adelaide. Cool. Uh, and a plug for literally a plug for Kempower, which seems to have quite a good reputation at the moment uh, for reliability. So yep, I'm sure that's on your network on your list. Yeah, they, they do look great. I love the new Ken Power units. They, mm. they look, I was saying to someone the other day, they look, it's very rare that something that's slimline also looks solid. And the new yes. Ken Power units, like, they are very slim, but they look like you could drive a truck in them and they wouldn't go anywhere. So, yeah, um, yeah I'm a big fan of them personally too. Yeah, I love the quad retro look too. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Riz. Just on the Ken Power units, I think you mentioned Caribbean Gardens, the Glen in Melbourne, a couple of sites already have those units there now. Um, do you feel that the Kempower units provide better accessibility as well 
I, I can't speak to that to be to be to be frank. Um, if you're talking about sort of accessibility in terms of mobility issues, is that is that um, yes, yeah, I think I, like I can't the, speak to yeah. I can't speak to Kempower specifically, but I I do think that there. If I go back to that equity point that I mentioned earlier about charging being available for everyone and EVs being available for everyone, I do think that's something as an industry we need to look at about how how easy or not is it for people with mobility strength um, issues. Uh, the elderly, people that are suffering from illnesses, et cetera, um, are able to access charging. I think that's an industry-wide challenge. There's a few standards that I think have recently been published in the UK. You guys probably know far more about it than me. Um, I think that's something we need to look at. Um, here's a little comment from Gaffer, and I subscribe to this too. Uh, any plans yet to uh, scale up something like GridServe, a full-on purpose-built charging hub with amenities? Surely with your influence, Rob, and John, if you're watching, to influence one of these, you know, huge places where you can sit and chill while your car's charging like you have in Europe. Yeah, I, um, we were actually talking about this just the other day, is that I, and maybe people get sick of me saying this, but EV charging needs to be better than filling up your tank with petrol in every way. You know, the petrol station is not the most aesthetically pleasing place, but it has shelter, it's well lit, it's largely safe. There's usually a toilet for better or worse, depending on where, you, where, you, where you're stopping. There's something, um, there's uh, somewhere to get something to eat. Um, you can usually get pretty questionable coffee, but that's that's improving. Um, EV charging, it, it doesn't have that at the moment. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the amount of EV chargers I know that are undercover that are, mm. or that have cover, I should say, that aren't already in a an undercover location. So we don't have any specific plans because, as I said, we don't own the hardware. But I think as an industry and Chargebox has a role to play with this, we need to we need to demonstrate what good looks like. And for me personally, as an EV driver, it's, yeah, somewhere that's well-lit, that's safe, that um, young or vulnerable drivers can go to after midnight and feel safe. That's not down the back of the old fast food restaurant next to the dumpster that smells and doesn't have good lighting. Like we need to be better. The whole industry needs to be better at that. Um, I think as EVs become more commonplace, host site hosts won't be like, oh, let's put the EV charging in those four car parks down the back near the dumpster that no one ever uses because we don't want to sacrifice parking. It'll be, oh, EVs are a really big part of our our clientele. Let's let's put the charges at the front and let's get 10, let's get 12. Yeah, I think there's literally a charger at a dumpster in Albury or Wodonga, I think, from memory. <laughs> so it does happen. It's probably worth just calling it briefly when you're talking about specific charges. Is um one of our our uh, often used chargers, the ones in Gundagai. I'm sure some of you your, your viewers mm. might be familiar with that. Um, we're really happy they've just been relocated. So they were behind the set of shops in Gundagai in a kind of muddy, dirty car park that was was very very challenging. Um, as of I believe last week, all of that infrastructure, which was, you know, no no small task, has now been moved to the front of those shops in Gundagai. So if you're in Gundagai, come in the cafe, but it apparently serves great coffee that's right near the charges. Stop by and get a charge and get a coffee. Yeah, thank goodness. That place was Pothole Central, so that's great to hear, Rob. Um, a question from Xiao Wei. Uh, is ChargeFox aiming to have a new minimum for charging speeds? I find 50 kilowatts quite low, very off-putting. Uh, a lot of your competitors are actually putting a lot of 50 kilowatt charges around urban areas. Do you have a set minimum for DC charging? Uh, we don't, no. It, mm. the, the, as long as they come from that approved list that I mentioned earlier, which is always growing, um, and as long as the, the uh, provider, the host, chooses that particular uh, speed, uh, then then we're happy to have it on the network. I'll pop this comment up here from Peter Russell. Uh, ChargeFox are apologising for their models, so it is a tough question. Uh, Tesla do get it right 
very quickly, actually. You know, they obviously own their charges. Uh, comment on this, Rob? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's there's going to be different strokes for different folks, as they say. Um, I'm really proud that I can say that Charge Fox, I've only been here briefly. There's 1,450 public plugs that are available on a single app in Australia, and that's the Charge Fox app. Um, it's available to every model of EV that's out there, um, and it makes it possible for every business or every council to install charges that you can access. Um, is it the perfect model? No. Is is any system perfect? No. Uh, it, you've, it's a free market capitalist society that we live in. You are free to use any charger on any network that you wish, and I wish you all the best of luck if you're, if you're not happy with our model. Okay. Thank you, Rob. Um, consider providing live availability rating for each site within the ChargeFox app. Yeah, I, I, we're really, really looking into uh, how we include a, a metric for the quality of that particular charger. So I think what we need to start with and what we discussed just yesterday was um, not only availability, but the quality of that experience. So similar to the Uber model, how is your experience at Gundagai or mm. the Glen or the Northern Beaches of Sydney? Um, let us know, was, was it online? Uh, was it clean? Was it safe? All of that type of stuff. In terms of uh, metrics, we will be publishing, you heard it here first, this is an exclusive time, you're always after these things in, uh, in media, right? We will be publishing transparent availability and reliability metrics in Q1 of next financial year, so July and August, which will be published uh, on our social media, published on our website, ideally. Our website needs a bit of work, by the way, but um, we want to make sure that that's transparent. Uh, and we're working on how we calculate that at the moment to make sure that we report on it fairly and uh, and openly. That's great, Rob. We'll, we'll certainly look at that if you do publish that. So thank you for that. Um, Rahul, for yourself, uh, yeah, you're suggesting something here? Yeah, I think I uh, mentioned that, uh, yeah, ChargeFox, just looking at the volume of questions coming through, Rob, obviously there's a lot of, you know, um, questions from a lot of people here. We're not going to be able to obviously cover this in this one call. So, I'm suggesting that um, yourself and the marketing team or the social media team hold a three-month, uh, you know, every now and then a town hall kind of Zoom call where people can come in with these questions and you guys can answer them on a regular basis. Um, and if it's okay with you, I have also mentioned to people here that we're not going to be able to cover up all, sorry, to cover all their questions or their comments. Um, so to direct that to the ChargeFox Twitter account, uh, or the social media team, considering that you guys are now um, engaging with the uh, EV owners or, or with your um, yeah your customers as well. So I hope that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and maybe I might be oversharing here, but this is a little secret. You are looking at the marketing team. It is one person. It is me. If someone responds to you on Twitter, it is me. Um, <laughs> so please, please be kind. You can put be a, kind. a face to a name. I'm a I'm a human, you know, I've got emotions, I have good days and bad days, but don't get back to your tweet immediately. I will endeavour to get back to it. It might take a couple of days sometimes, but I try to get back to them. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, I, we want to be involved in the dialogue. That's why I've been hired. Um, I hope you can tell that I'm, I'm super passionate about what I do um, and really, really engaged. And, you know, I'll, I'll be happy to invite it back here as often as you want to answer as many questions as you like. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely twist John's arm. There he is. He's already commenting. He's got it up there. <laughs> That's right. There you go. You heard it here first, everyone. Uh, but yeah, no, thanks, Rob, for that offer. We're, we're very very happy to have you back on a regular basis for sure to uh, to keep us updated as to where ChargeFox is up to. And look, you're getting a lot of support on the chat as well. Like, you know, um, someone's already co quoted your comment about ChargeFox's EV charging network is already the largest in Australia. We have more than 20, uh, 1,200 plugs on the public network. Plans to grow that to 5,000, including 2,000 fast charges by 2025. So great summary there. I, I don't even know who that is. I, I, I... 
It looks like it's too flattering to be a real one, but I can tell you it's not my plant, that one. I haven't paid anyone off. <laughs> no, he's a real viewer. No, uh, he's a real viewer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you, H2 Rider. I appreciate it. Thank you. Considering, oh, Chargefox gift cards, maybe at Aldi or even Woolies or Coles. You know what? Your audience is very, very good. So we're working on that at the moment. So we're working on what we're calling charge packs. So essentially, that'd be a prepaid type situation whereby people can give it to their staff or it'd be the new equivalent of validating parking you know if you go to a particular supermarket or a shopping center and you shop or you spend over x maybe they give you 20 bucks worth of charging your next visit so it is something that it's in that's very very much in the works um and and i think we'll see the light of day in the next couple of months yeah excellent that's good to hear uh yeah we, we would give out free marketing advice here rob so yeah be free, feel free to take, I'll take it i'll take it <laughs> Uh, yeah, some some comments about Gundagai, you know, that's great news, so good to hear. Um, yes, also, uh, yep, there's ChargeFox advise on accessibility and safety of units as well when they're installed. For example, wheelchair access. Uh, I, I don't believe we do specific have specific requirements at the moment, and, and, I, and you guys would know better than me, but I don't know if there are, like, Australian standards in terms of accessibility um at at charging points i think that there should be i think there the the industry needs to do better and that includes you know our our involvement for what it's worth but i think there should be standards around accessibility um Mm. those dc uh plugs they're they're heavy too like they even if you are you know you have all your facilities and all your um, abilities they can be heavy to carry and to unplug and um one of the things i think we I'm going to do one little shameless plug for, for one second. I hope you indulge me. But um, I believe we're the only, I believe we're the only uh, network operator that have an Australian call centre. So if you call, if you have a problem with the charger and you call the number, the people that you get are the same people that answer the NRMA, the RACV, the RAA um, phones. And they, in a lot of cases, can help you to, um, a lot of our questions are from first-time drivers. Hey, I'm at your charging mm. point. I've never charged before. What do I do? Um, we're really proud that we can provide that service. It's an onshore Australian service. I think it's somewhere in the outer suburbs of Melbourne. I should know where it is. but um, And those people are more than happy to help you. And they help thousands of people a month with their charging, which which I think really helps that adoption of EVs. Hopefully, they don't need to call. We want a future where charging is just easy and everyone knows how to do it and it works every time and we don't need the call centre. But for the, that, the foreseeable future, that is a really, really great feature. No, it's great to have the local support. Um, I want to put this comment up because, yeah, this kind of affects me too because, yeah, the, the network, your ChargeFox network up north of Sydney to Brisbane has been down for a little while. You may not be able to answer this, but just to make you guys aware, uh, and I'm sure you are as well, that uh, repairs need to be done. Yeah, no, really uh, very, very good question and, and very much a warranted question. So um, a number of the charges, I can't speak to Port Macquarie at the moment. If some, any of the ops team are listening, um, I'll if they can't comment on it live, I'm sure I'll be able to get back to you on this and perhaps we can put it in the your comments or whatever at the follow-up afterwards. But, um, for example, Gold Coast had a number of charges that were offline for a prolonged period of time. Um, uh, uh, the majority of them were off, and that was about getting parts. Recently, those parts have been sourced and we're able to bring those ones back online. Port Macquarie, I'm not sure. I can't speak to specifically, but I believe it's about the availability of parts, but I can come back to you on that one, Peter. Cool. Uh, almost out of time, but I will run through some really quick comments here. Uh, Abby says, I always use ChargeFox if possible, 20% discount over Tesla and the AMS discount as well. Don't forget to use that. 
Uh, Shane says, I think everyone that works at ChargeFox should have to drive an EV and not be allowed to charge at home and have to charge at a different public charger each time, just like apartment owned. So that's actually not a bad comment. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I can do? I will, I will endeavour... I can only speak for myself. I'll speak to the business as well when I get a chance, but I will make sure that I'm charging at a different charger every time when I charge myself. I, I fortunately do have a charger at home. I'm in that fortunate situation to do that. Um, mm. So I don't often need to charge publicly, but we do try to get out there and test charges personally as much as we can. Um, we also are a relatively new business startup scale up with young a number of young staff that perhaps don't have the means to buy EV. So I don't think we're ever going to get 100% penetration on EV drivers in ChargeFox in the foreseeable future because unless someone from Tesla is watching and wants to provide us a fleet of free EVs, I'd love that. Um, but it, we, a, a number of the staff, a large number of the staff are passionate EV drivers. One of the guys, for example, I think he has three Teslas in his driveway at the moment um, and he's, he's an absolute tesla fan rusted on one of the first ones that came off the ship i think we're in his garage so we are ev drivers we are experiencing what you experience cool uh john if you're still watching you know just buy one out of three just, just rotate that around your stuff just we, we, we actually do we we have um we recently got uh two electric vehicles um that are now available to the staff to solve that exact problem where it's not affordable for everyone but we want them to experience it so we we do exactly that that's great. Uh, Shalendra, I guess the quick question about Great Ocean Road, that, that's actually pretty pretty important. Uh, a bit, bit of a desert between Torquay and Warrnambool. I can absolutely speak to that from my experience on the weekend. I charged at Torquay and I think it's uh, it's pretty much vacant land from there to Warrnambool in terms of yeah, EV. So I, I spoke to my colleagues about this last week and I might be speaking out of school here a bit, but I believe there's actually been there's someone who's been provided with funding to deploy some charges in that area, but I think the challenge has been around finding the right location and whether that means with electricity supply or parking. I'm not sure exactly, but I believe that's in the works, but it's hit a few speed humps. That's great. Uh, suggestion would be good to have someone from ChargeFox uh, on one of those drive days from NRMA to ask questions and show off the app. That's actually a great idea too. Um, the recent NRMA drive day that was at Eastern Creek Motorway in Western Sydney, um, we had uh, Ben Mitchell from our team and uh, Craig uh, Craig Norris was there. Uh, there was a bit of branding around, so I'm not sure if we'll be at everyone, but we were at the most recent one for a couple of days and we'll seek to be there going forward. Fantastic. And for, for finish off today, Gaffer's last comment, uh, John Sullivan, to you. Can you feed back to NRMA that a Charge Fox gift card would be a great idea NRMA keeps trying to award me money off petrol as a reward and not so useful for an EV. 100%, Gaffer, 100%. You could pass it on to your your ice-driving friends or rellos, I'm sure, Gaffer. They'd still love it. But yes, right. uh, gift cards, as I mentioned earlier, are in the works. I also got to say, uh, there's a distinct lack of uh, of ChargeFox merch behind you there, Tom, so I'll have to remedy that. I'll have to get you a couple of T-shirts or we'll, we'll sort something out for you for sure. Yeah, please, plenty of space for the wall. And, and Risen Rahul as well, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I won't leave you out. There's plenty of space on our walls. So, yeah, please, please send them our way. <laughs> okay, everyone, well, I just want to, um, on behalf of Riz, Rahul, and everyone watching uh, live and on replay and listening on podcasts, just want to thank Rob Asselman from ChargeFox for your time today. It's been absolutely invaluable. So thank you very much. Uh, really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll see you back very shortly on Ludicrous Feed Live. It was great fun. Thanks, gents. Uh, and as usual, our regulars, uh, thank you, Riz and Rahul. Thank you, Rahul. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Thanks, Rob. Very accomplished. Uh, you handled that just, just perfectly fine. 
Uh, and thank you for the breaking news as well. Uh, LF uh, Ludicrous Read Live is known for that. So, yeah, we appreciate that immensely today. Thank you very much. <laughs> you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> thank you, Riz, as always. Thanks, Rob. Um, you know, John and Nick and a whole bunch of the team from Charge Fox for joining yeah. us. Um, great to get your insight. Now we're all better informed uh, to know that, you know, that there is more charges coming. So it's fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, once again, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Riz. Thank you, Rahul. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, yep. <laughs> Don't forget Sam's shirt, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to, I'm sure you've got Sam's details somewhere or you can get it, Tom. We'll get a, we'll get a shout out to Sam. Maybe we'll run a promotion too, like a competition, eh? A future stream. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone. Take care. And until the next Ludicrous Feed Live, happy charging. Bye.